First Thessalonians 5. We're going to read verses 12 and 13. Here's what it says. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. I'll pray, and then we'll look at this verse for a few moments. Lord, thank you for, once again, your word that we're able to look into and get insight. May you uh, help me with this message to deliver uh, these thoughts to these people, and may you convey them better than I can. In Jesus' name, amen. I titled the message tonight, Walking a Mile in His Shoes. We've often heard the phrase, walking a mile in someone else's shoes. And I said this morning that when we closed that it was going to be, this, this sermon was going to be a little bit different than normal. And so we were out in the hallway and I think I was talking to Bob Miller and Bob Miller said, man, I'm just excited. I just was looking forward to whatever it was going to be. And I mean, maybe I built it up too much. I don't think I did. So I told him, I said, we're not doing any snake handling in here tonight. We won't have different people come up and get bitten, and then we'll, we'll pray for God's healing on them. We won't do anything crazy like that. But the format is definitely going to be a little bit different and some, some different things. And this idea of walking a mile in somebody else's shoes, we've heard that statement before. You've probably heard it by your mother many times. That's, this is a statement that moms would commonly use, and not to judge people without without understanding and even getting to a place where you can empathize with them before you make a decision. And from the outward, from the outside, it's easy to look at people's lives and people's ministries as well and look and see, well, and make, make conclusions about it before you, you get into it and you do it for yourself. There was a, a quote I came across that says, before you criticize someone, walk a mile in their shoes. That way you'll be a mile from them and you'll have their shoes. You know, so a funny little thing about that. But the original, the original idea that I was going to, the original title that I was going to name, name the sermon tonight, and I chose not to do it, but it was originally what I learned after two weeks of pastoring. What I learned after two weeks of pastoring. I didn't put it in the bulletin because I thought it was a pretty obnoxious title, and I thought that maybe a few people could take it uh, and not understand my heart behind what I was trying to get across, and I didn't want that to take place. So I chose this other title instead, but now I'm letting you in. This is the real title. Uh, what I learned after two weeks of, of pastoring, and again, understand my heart on it. This is not from an arrogant mindset. This is not, I, I've, okay, well, I took over for pastor, and, and while well, he was sick for the last few weeks and last month or so, and okay, well, I know everything. No, 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 no. That's not my heart on it. Those of you that know me personally, you understand that that's, that's not the attitude I'm trying to come across. We all know the, the Bible, college, Bible college student who, who goes and after his freshman year, he comes back to the church to work in the church for a summer and he knows everything, right? I mean, it's the stereotypical thing. They tell us this at college whenever you leave to come back for a break, especially after your first semester or or at the end of your freshman year, they say, don't come back and tell your pastor how to do everything. Don't do that. And we all know they come back. And of course, we've been doing it wrong the whole time, right? That's how it goes. We've been doing it wrong. Everything, you know, even down to the nursery, you know, they'll, they'll come back and they'll say things like, 
you know, the church that I was at when I was at college, they had a nursery where they did husband and wife couples serving in the nursery. How many men are glad we don't do that? Amen. Amen. Me too. There's a reason we don't do that. Or, you know, they have a thing about, all oh, the way we do our bus ministry is all wrong. And, and again, there's, there's many different ways that you can do a bus ministry. There's many different ways that you can, that you can do, have your nursery or your Sunday school programs. And, but, but that idea of arrogance when you come back and think, well, I've, I've been at school and, and I know now. No, 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 no. The guy who's, who's doing the work week in and week out, he has a, for the last 30, 40 years, like Pastor Bill, he's got an idea about what should, what should go on. And so my heart about it is, is, is that I'm not coming across as I'm trying to know anything. These are going to be some observations that I've had. I think about a missionary who goes on the field, and after three years, he writes a book about everything that's wrong with the mission program in the local church. That's just an ignorant and a silly thing to do. A guy, who, a guy that's been there 30, 40 years should write a book about some, some problems and some issues that could use refinement, but not the guy that's been there three or four years. And so, again, my heart on this is not an, an arrogant thing about it, but it is observations that anybody would get from subbing in for pastor for a month or for a few weeks. These are observations that every single one of us in here would come to the same conclusion if you were put into the same predicament I was. So that's what I want to preface it with this morning. And so, so again, thinking about our key verse there, to know them which labor among you, and of course the last, verse 13, and to esteem them very highly. The goal of the message is to give you maybe a little bit of insight into some observations I've had over the last few weeks. But ultimately, the desire behind it is that you and I can figure out ways how we can lift up and we can hold up the hands of Pastor Lytell because he needs it. He needs it. We got a preacher here for the last for 30, 40 years, Brother Crichton, as well. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. We've had different preachers come through here, and they know the struggles of what it is to be a senior pastor. And so some of these things we're going over tonight are simple observations. The first one that I'm going to give to you is the responsibility. The responsibility is more than it seems. Again, walking a mile in someone else's shoes. From the outward perspective, sometimes people, they, they come across, and some, they, there's this joke that, you know, of course, pastors, they only work on Sundays, right? You know, what do you do the rest of the week? There's that kind of joke. But the responsibility is more uh, than it seems at first. And the weight of the responsibility is not the buildings, the budget. It's not the bucks that come in. That, that, that's not what it is. The weight of the responsibility is the people, is the people. That people are depending on you. People are depending on you. And that weight is what keeps many preachers up at night, is, is the fact that this is people, and we're talking about people that have heartaches and, and have major severe problems in their life and the constant, it's, it's, the, it's like the, the emergency, the person who works in the emergency room unit. They see all the bad that comes in. They see every motorcycle wreck that happens. They see every, every parent who loses a child at a young age. They see it all, and it wears on them. And the responsibility to do well is high. Of course, the, the idea is to feed the sheep. 
That, I would say, is a very heavy responsibility. Acts 20, 28 says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained for his own blood. In John 21, 17, Jesus said, he was talking to Peter, and he said, and he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. That is some heavy responsibility doing a Sunday school lesson every now and then, or doing a Wednesday night every now and then, okay, it's a heavy responsibility. But until Pastor Bill threw me in in that first week, he said, I want you to preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. After that, I was like, stop, stop, no more of that. It's a heavy responsibility. And I appreciate him giving me the opportunity to do that for a week but it was a heavy responsibility that people are coming and they are depending upon the word of God being given to them so they can spiritually have food. It sounds light, but it's not. There's churches all around America where people are spiritually starving to death. All around America. That's not Gospel Baptist Church, by the way. That is not Gospel Baptist Church. If you want to have a nice meal, you have to spend some time in the kitchen. Right, ladies? You know about that. If you want a good meal, you don't just go and put it in the microwave and push three minutes. It's not going to be good. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of preachers out there who that's, unless it's White Castle, unless it's those White Castle, you can do that. That'll be good. But besides that, no. There's a lot of preachers out there. They're just doing the three minute, putting it in there, and their people are starving. They are spiritually starving. Pastor Lytell spends two and a, a minimum, a minimum of two and a half days a week studying and preparing for Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and whatever else he has going on. As you mentioned today, all those other things that I forget about as well, the call to glory, the news articles, uh, the podcast that he does. He spends a minimum of two and a half days going over that. He blocks out a chunk of time to make sure it happens. He's told me over and over and over again, of course, I don't preach as much as he does and I don't teach as much as he does, but he's told me over and over again, he says, never, if you have to cut time in any area, never let it be your study time. Never, never let it be your study time. And over all these years, Pastor Lytell has kept to having his study time because people are depending upon being fed by the word of God. They are depending on it. And again, pastors around the church, they starve. They starve their church members. And physically, there's churches that they look great. The buildings are phenomenally upkept. They have amazing programs. But the people inside, they are withering away. I hear about it all the time. We hear about folks who are up north and that they're struggling and they call Pastor Lytell, they call myself, they call some of you and they talk about how the issues that they're struggling with and when push comes to shove, it usually comes down to they are not getting fed at their local church. Happens more often than you would think. And the advice is go somewhere where you are being fed. I had somebody ask me about a month ago, they said, you know, I, I'm going to this church and the people are real nice, but the preaching, there's a lot to be desired in the preaching. I said, forget all those people. Go somewhere 
little small place if you have to. doesn't matter. It doesn't have a bunch of programs. doesn't have maybe as much opportunities, but has good preaching where you are going to be fed. Because spiritually, we're talking about life and death. Many churches, they're like the modern-day Auschwitz, where people are just starving, concentration camps, and people are coming week after week, and they're not doing well. We've seen it where folks are up north, and they're, they're starved out spiritually. But then they come down to Gospel Baptist Church and get under the preaching that we have here, and Pastor Lytell's preaching that he labors at intensively throughout the week, and we see that their, that their spirit begins to change. And by the time they leave, they are doing very well. They are all involved. Spiritually, you can see even that their countenance changes. And then they go back, and the same thing happens. It, it happens over and over and over again. The responsibility of feeding the sheep is very heavy, and anybody would be able to observe that if they were put into this predicament. Pastor Lytell, he works hard at feeding the sheep. Many churches and pastors, they use the excuse, and they say, well, I could never, I could never put together two quality sermons a week. This is why you see these churches that only do one service one service a week, or if they do multiple services, the pastor's preaching the same sermon to different groups of people, that there's not enough time to put together more than one quality sermon. Pastor Lytell puts together four quality sermons. We're talking about quality, that everything that he brings is worth showing up to, not because it's him, because he's put forth the effort, and it's the word of God that he is presenting. We're not talking about just Pastor Lytell, we're talking about this is the word of God. So, oh my goodness. But we see that day in and day out that people are starving. People always think as two, they think that the grass is always greener on the other side. They have, we have evangelists that come through and from time to time you, you see an evangelist come and they're just, the preaching is just knock, knock your socks off. It's phenomenal. And they think, well, why isn't our preacher like that? And those thoughts come through church members' minds and attenders' minds. And the evangelists and the special speakers, they end up being the heroes. But the real hero is the guy who's doing this week in and week out, Pastor Bill, who cares about you, who watches over your souls and prays for you earnestly. Not a guy who comes in and preaches the same knockout sermon to 20 other churches. There's a place for that. I'm not, I'm not disregarding that. But there's something to be said about the faithfulness of a preacher who is feeding you on a regular basis. Do not take it for granted. It's not a commonality. It is rare in the day and age that we live in that a pastor puts forth as much effort into feeding the sheep as Pastor Lytell, as Pastor Lytell does. There's a responsibility too. One of the heaviest responsibilities that I feel is being true to the Word of God. Being true to the Word of God. And that weighs on you heavily. Revelation 22, 18 and 19, John writes about the revelation. He says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, and if any man shall add unto these things, and shall, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Deuteronomy says, Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God. Second Peter says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be also false 
teachers among you, who privily shall bring damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow in the pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness they shall be feigned words of merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. One of the biggest struggles with preaching is not that I willfully, not that I willfully want to twist the word of God and misapply the word of God. The danger that I face and the danger and the responsibility that even Pastor Lytell faces or anybody who's got a good, honest heart who is standing in the pulpit doesn't want to accidentally or ignorantly twist the word of God. There is a heavy responsibility and God holds the preachers and the teachers highly responsible for the statements and the messages and the truth that they are putting out. It must match up with the Word of God, and that is a heavy, heavy responsibility. Another thing that I, that I notice, an observation that anybody, that anybody would make being in, that, in this circumstance would be that you cannot get your mind off of the ministry. You cannot get your mind off of the ministry. Somebody asked, somebody asked me about a month ago, they asked me, what's the hardest thing about being, you know, a pastor or being, you know, a leader at the church? And one of them was this right here. I'll give you the other one in a little bit. Was, it's not an eight to five job. It's not an eight to five job. Preachers that make the pastoral job an eight to five job are not doing the work that they need to do. It is not an eight to five job. Many, many, many jobs you go in and you clock in at one time, you clock in, clock out at another time. And when you're done, you go home, your mind is generally off the work that you've done. Nine times out of 10, it's off the work and you're not thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow. You're not expecting your phone to ring. There are some jobs that are like that and some business owners may feel the same pressure in that regard. But we're talking about spiritual things. We're talking about people's souls. We're talking about eternal things, not just temporary making sure I can make the budget this month. We're talking about people's souls are on the line, and it's something that cannot get off your mind. I find that when I drive by the church, when, when I'm working underneath Pastor Bill, I drive by the church, don't really think about it as much. Don't really think about it as much. But I'll tell you, when he was gone for those three or four weeks, every time I drove by, it didn't matter if I was going down to the grocery store, I swung through the parking lot. Why? I don't, I'm not really sure. It was something about, it was something about, I had to make sure that everything was okay. I had to check on it. And this is the kind of thing that Pastor Bill faces on a daily basis. He's constantly concerned, not that you're worried, not that God's not taking care of it, but that you're putting forth your best effort that you possibly can to make sure that everything is going exactly like it's supposed to be going. Drive through and just make sure that there's no weeds out in the parking lot for people to come. Before, I didn't care so much about the weeds, but now he left and I do. You name it, making sure that the wind hasn't taken down any of our little signs that are out there, making sure that the door, somebody set the alarm on the church. And there's that, there's that overwhelming need that the job is almost never done. Another thing that I've observed is that the buck stops here. <laughs> it's a lot easier to say, Pastor Bill said to do this. That's easy. 
And I've been doing that for the last six years, generally speaking. That Pastor Bill, oh, okay, well, you know, Pastor Bill said we shouldn't do that. But when he's not here, I don't always get to do that. And criticism can come very swiftly and very quickly. I haven't faced much criticism by any means, but there's a difference when your neck is on the line versus Pastor Bill's neck. It's like gambling with somebody else's money. It's easy to do when it's not your own. But when it is your own, you're a lot more careful about what you do. And there is that sense of responsibility on it. And there's a lot of armchair quarterbacks out there who are sitting like they do when they watch sports and they, and they point the finger. This is some application for us. They point the finger at what the coach is doing on the field or what the quarterback is doing out there on the field and said, oh, if I was out there, I would have done this. No, you wouldn't have. You don't have a 350-pound lineman running at you trying to kill you in front of 50 million people. We can't make an accurate assumption if we're not in the same predicament, walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. And it's been eye-opening for me just for these few, few weeks or this month to be put in this position where in some way I'm partially doing the job of what Pastor Lytell has done. The buck stops with him. And before we criticize the preacher for, I wouldn't have made this decision, or it would have been better if we would have done this. Stop, stop. Understand that he's seeking the Holy Spirit's counsel on what to do, even in the smallest matters, even in the smallest matters, and understanding that it's different when you are the one making the decision. Luke 6.26 says, Woe unto you, pastor says this verse a lot, when all men shall speak well of you, for so did, your, so did their fathers to the false prophets. He says, Woe unto, he says, be careful if all men speak well of you. That's Pastor Bill's little paraphrase of it. And he said, I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> That's what he always says. I don't have to worry about people speaking well of me. And true, if you're going to do anything, if you're going to make any choice in life and you're going to take any leadership position, you're always going to have people that do not agree with you. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, if you're a CEO of a business, if you're a manager, it doesn't matter. If you're a husband, you'll face some criticism too. And so another thing that I've observed is that people make the difference. People make a difference. They make a difference in the joy, but they also make a difference in the sadness as well. They make it for the better. And we at Gospel Baptist Church, we have a church that is full of encouragers, people that want to help our pastor and that are all in and that can be counted on and that are faithful unless COVID comes and takes them out. But besides that, they are all in and we have folks that can be counted on, and it is an encouragement to Pastor Bill to have all of you with your all hands on deck, and people really make or break your ministry. On the flip side of that, people make a difference often for the worse, for the worse. Are you making a difference for the better for Pastor Bill, or are you making a difference for the worse? I hope that I'm making it for the better. That same when, when that person asked me about what is the hardest thing about uh, your job, again, I said it's not taking your mind off of it. And the other one was this, was when people don't listen to the plain teaching of the Bible. That is the hardest, the second hardest thing I would say that I've experienced. And Pastor Lytell, we've talked about the same, talked about it before. And it's true, it's people who just disregard the plain truth and the teaching of the Word of God. Week after week, 
when a man spends his life, his life going through the Word of God and feeding the church of God and to have members who have sat under it for years and years and years and years just totally disregard the truth that's in the Word. That is discouraging. When I've sweat and, and cried over the, over the teenagers that I work with for four and a half years over here and just see them come with the attitude of, I, I, I don't care. It's heartbreaking. It's discouraging. May that not be me. May that not be you. We often take advice from our doctors and we just say, okay, whatever you say, doc, it doesn't matter. They could tell you to take rat poison, blood thinner. It doesn't matter what it is. And we just say, okay, let's do it. But then when it comes to the preacher who spent his life in tune with God, who has an insight into the word of God, no, no, we don't, eh, we bow up, say, no, we, we're not really interested in that. Hebrews 13, 17, here's where we believe the Bible, right? It says, Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Obey them that have the rule over you. There is some responsibility that us as church members and church folks have to obey our pastor. We have some responsibility to that, and we should not just disregard it, especially when it comes down to the plain teaching of the Bible. All, the, all this preferential stuff, that, that, may be, that may be different, but when it comes down to things that are right or wrong, or even in the gray, I would say, listen to your pastor. People make the difference. We can choose to, for the better, or we can choose for the worse. Another thing I've observed is you can't do it all. You can't do it all. That is the hardest thing. One of the hardest things uh, that, you gotta, that, that you have to learn the hard way is you cannot do it all. I would love to be able to teach every Sunday school class. Pastor Bill, same way. I'd love to be able to go on every bus route and be involved in every bus route. I'd love to do about just about anything except the nursery. We can leave that out of there. Besides that, I want to be back there in the sound booth. You guys back there in the sound booth, sound booth, you know how much I love doing all that, from the camera work to the computer to the soundboard. And I go back there and I reach over and I twist knobs and I do different things, probably mess it up half the time. But I want to be involved in it. Mr. Cronin, today, we were over there looking for a song. I, I let you down because I was trying to find a song for you before... You remember that? I, was, I said, okay, I'll go over there and find it. I can't do it. You can't do it all, even though I want to, even though Pastor Bill wants to. And, and it takes, it takes this, this big word that nobody likes to say is no. No. I have said the word no more over the last month than I probably ever have in my six years that I've been here. I have said no. It's hard. It's hard. My mom, she was a, she is a people pleaser. There's different types of people. And hers is, you know, gifts of service. We would say acts of service. And, and, and her, her expression of love, we would say. And so she feels bad when she says no. She will go out of her way and she will overbook herself in different things just to help out somebody. But there comes a place where you have to realize where you can't do it all. The first Sunday that Pastor Lytell was here, was not here, 
I thought my head was going to explode because I was in here. I was running back and forth to the other room, making sure everything was okay. I was checking in on the Sunday school class in the junior church, coming up here, trying to do some announcements. And I had to realize you can't do it all. That's where you come in. And that's where I come in. One of the most eye-opening things that happened while Pastor Bill, uh, one of the most beneficial things, I should say, that, that I've come, come to know since Pastor Lytell has been gone is that I know now how to better help him than I ever have because I've been thrown right into it. And I can see, wow, when he comes back, I'm going to take his mind off of some of these things. And again, before being in there, before walking in his shoes, I wouldn't have known. I didn't know the kind of, and of course, he does have an edge being in, you know, 40 years in the ministry, but still there's some things that I can help. And there's things that you can help to help take his mind off of some of the struggles. Pastor often says, the immediate often gets the attention while the important is neglected. The import, the, 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 um, the immediate are the things that need to be done right this minute, but the important things seem to go away. And again, I've had to say no over and over and over again. And it's, it's hard, but I'm getting used to it. Maybe I'll say no to somebody tonight. I don't enjoy it, and I wish you could do everything, and so does Pastor, but it's just not possible. Exodus 17, 12 says, But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and hers stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady, until the going down of the sun. Hold up our pastor's hands. Lift them up high. Jim Binney, in his book, Holding Up Holy Hands, I encourage you to get it, how we can help our pastor. He writes, he gives an illustration and a few things I'll mention here that, that are just fabulous. He gives an illustration right at the beginning about in Thailand, a number of years ago, there was a soccer team that was trapped in a cave, and the waters began to rise. It was during rainy season. They began trapped, and they found themselves surrounded by water, and they, they could not leave. And that whole team of young men was destined to die unless they got some help. So two expert divers went down, and they were carrying, they were carrying bottles of oxygen with them to give to the boys before they suffocated in that cave. And as they were going down, there was murky water. One of the divers died. And there was a newspaper headline, a newspaper headline that read, a diver, a diver dies while delivering oxygen. A, a, a diver suffocates, that's what you should say, while delivering oxygen was the title of the headline. And Jim Binney relates this to how many pastors, they're, they're going and they are giving life-saving spiritual nourishment to other people, but many times they die themselves trying to save other people. May we not let that, let that be of our, of our pastor. Just because he's been in it a long time doesn't mean that he's exempt. He's exempt of overworking, especially now with the medical issues that he's been facing. Now, more than ever, do we all need to step up and do more than what we've done to help him to help him in these, in, in these endeavors. He also says, Jim Binney says in his book, he says, we must not, not push the expectation of our pastor beyond his limitations. Many folks have an expectation about what a pastor should do and that he should 
visit me in the hospital every single time. I guarantee you, Pastor Bill wants to visit you in the hospital, but he's not able to make every hospital visit. I do my best every time that I go and visit somebody, whether it's at the hospital, at their house, whether it's on the phone and I call him, I tell him, Pastor Bill would be here if he could. I'm here in his, in his stead, but he would be here if he could. He wants to, but may we not get the expectation out of reality. The man can only do so much. And again, he must put the effort on the important, not always the immediate. Same thing of, well, the pastor didn't shake my hand this morning. He ought to shake my hand every week. He ought to say hi to me. Or he ought to do this. He ought to do that. Man, may we not push the expectation beyond our ability. Jim Binney has a quote. He says, if a pastor struggles with anything, it's the great divide between his ability and his responsibility. When he looks at his meager gifts and limited talents and compares them to the eternal destiny of human souls, is it any wonder he struggles? Enter the accuser of the brethren who says, you can't bridge that gap. You'll never be able to meet your responsibilities. You can't do anything right. How are he, is he going to bridge that considerable gap? May we not add more pressure and more weight on him than is needed by any means. We can ask God to give us a word that is fitly spoken. A word fitly spoken is apples of gold, like apples of gold in pictures of silver. And there's a caveat. There's a caveat to that as well. Many times after the service, people will come and they'll, they'll say to the preacher, that was a great sermon. They make it a point every week to say, that's a great sermon. I heard one preacher say, the biggest compliment you can give me is not to tell me after the, after the sermon that it was, the, it was a fabulous sermon, but if you would live what I preach. That would be the greatest compliment and the greatest encouragement that you could give. And that's something that we can do and do the other as well. But I can't tell you how much it thrills my soul and lifts my spirits when you folks, and there's many of you that go just above and beyond and are so gracious and so kind and send me a text or say some nice, kind words to me. It helps. It helps. Some of you, you may say, well, you're supposed to get your joy and, and happiness from the Lord. I'm a human Pastor Bill, he's just a human. He's a guy just like, he's a man. He's flesh and bone just like the rest of us. And he needs some encouragement from time to time. Yes, we get it from the Lord, but it's nice to get it from people as well. So let's look for ways and ask God to give us ways that we can encourage our preacher, whether it's a note, whether it's a text, whether it's a word when he leaves outside. Maybe it's a, an anonymous gift that you give him with a little note. I don't know, but let's think of ways that we, and ask God to give us Give us something as a word fitly spoken. And the last one is we can pray for him. And here's a big one. Pray for him and let him know him. It was enormously encouraging for those anonymous prayer cards that many of you filled out and you checked off all the days throughout the year that you had prayed for Pastor Lytell, myself, Pastor Steve, uh, Thomas. And it's overwhelming to know how much prayer is being offered up for you on a regular basis. It's phenomenal. It does something for you that, that I just can't explain. Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. We've seen it with our own eyes over the last, over the last few months. We've seen Vito and Callie, they're not here tonight, Vito and Callie's uh, baby had some serious health issues. Guess what? They put it on the prayer list. We sent out prayer requests, and the church got together and prayed. That was a miracle. That was an absolute miracle 
that that baby is healthy and is fine. It's a miracle. We got Merrick Faroes down here who got into FSU. If you knew about the odds that it took for him to get in there, that was a miracle. What was it? It was people around here and moms and grandmas that were praying earnestly for him to get in there. That's what it was. Oh, yes, it was Merrick. It was you putting forth your effort and getting your academic achievements like you, like you should have. But don't negate God out of it. That was a miracle. And it has to do with prayer. I earnestly believe that. How about Pastor Bill with his melanoma? And the fact that he waited so long to get it done. We all thought the worst was going to happen, but we as a church gathered together and we offered up prayer to God. And it didn't get into his lymph nodes and it didn't spread to his whole body. They got it. Prayer works. Pray for your pastor and let him know it. How about, all the, how about him recovering from COVID after all the health issues that he has over the years? He thought it was going to be a death sentence to him, that if he got it, he wasn't going to make it. But God, it was gracious and merciful, and there is no doubt in my mind that it has to do with the prayers of you folks and the, other, the prayers of the folks around the country for him. God is good. He answers prayer. I'll close with this verse here. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders that rule, referring to pastors, let the elders that rule, well, be counted worthy of double honor. Double honor, especially they who labor in word and doctrine. May we hold Pastor Bill up to double honor. Not a bunch of flattery, but in honesty about the job that he has done well all these years for us. May we help our pastor in his ministry. We're thankful that he has the month or so that he's getting off it's well needed and it's well deserved. You may enjoy every minute of it. When he gets back, when we put our hands together and encourage him along his journey. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these few thoughts and these few observations over the last, last month or so. And we ask that you give us all each different ways and different opportunities that we can help encourage our pastor. And there's there are struggles that come uh, as a senior pastor in ministry that that cannot be explained to the average person. I don't really even have a glimpse at that, but you know the struggles that Pastor Bill faces, and uh, we ask that you would give us opportunity to help lift up his hands like Aaron and her did. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.